Hey guys, um, happy new year. I suppose can still say that because it's definitely still January. Um, I feel that people kind of take the piss though. I've literally had someone say it to me in March. Um, no, but anyway, um, happy new year, new decade. Um, welcome to episode 20. Also the first episode of 2020, coincidentally. Um, so to be honest, it seems like it's been a bit of a cunt of a start to the year for a whole lot of people. Um, and that fucking sucks. Like half of Australia's on fire. There's potentially going to be World War Three. Um, there's people really close to me in my life who are going through some real fucking hard times right now. Um, and it sucks. And I wish there was more I could do. Um, and it makes me feel bad, to be honest, that nothing's going horrifically wrong for me. Um, almost like I don't really deserve that, if that makes sense. Like, why is all this awful stuff happening to other really good people? Um, you know, you kind of have almost this sense of guilt that you should be kind of sharing the burden to a certain extent. Um, so actually saying this to my partner, and he's so smart. <laughs> he was like, well, you know, there's got to be some people who are fine and remain strong for everyone else so that you can be like a good friend or a family member or a support person or whatever. And I was like, you know what? That's fucking a hundred percent right. So, um, yeah, if you want to talk, um, not necessarily for the whole world to listen to, but, um, just in general, here I am, um, on my couch with Graham. Um, he's great for a hug. So yeah, keep that in mind. Um, but we've got a guest on, um, for my first episode this year. Now her name is Nicole and um, pretty cool story how I met her. So actually when I spoke to her on the phone yesterday she was asking me how I kind of found people to be on the podcast and the thing is is that I don't really like seek people out. I sort of just encounter people in life and I'm just like you're fucking awesome. Um, so so far I haven't actually really had to seek anyone out. I feel like I might have to start though because there's only so many people in your life you can kind of force to be on your podcast before you've got to go further afield. However, um, last year I um, reached out to Monash University um, in line with the work that I do for Monash Council, which is my, my actual job, um, to create like a mental health pathway for um, members of the leisure centres that I work for. Um, and got in touch with Nicole and a couple of other students um, and they put together like a really awesome seminar for our members on the correlation between um, physical and mental health, which obviously I'm super interested in. Um, yeah, so Nicole was one of the students. Um, but she told a really, um, well, quite a sad story, but the way she told it um, about her own personal experience, which she will share, um, I'll leave that to her, obviously. Um, and it really touched me. And I think it was because um, the way that she told it and um, just how I guess she's kind of used like her, her struggles and her adversity to pretty much make a career. And it's been her calling and her passion. Um, and obviously I find that very cool and very exciting. Um, so yeah, thank you so much, Nicole, um, for coming all the way over um, to share an afternoon with me. Welcome. 
Hi, thanks so much for having me, Sarah. I feel very humbled to be here. Oh, don't be silly. I'm very humbled to have you here. Thank you so much. Um, have you had a good start to the year? The start of the year, it's, yeah, it's a crazy adaptation. You know, it almost takes half the year to start writing 2020 by the time and then you right. start preparing for the next. Oh my God, I do that. Yeah, I write the old year for like six <laughs> months. It's really, really and bad. And your birthday, you just kind of can't adjust that you're that year older. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a good, um, it's, look, it's, a, it's been a sad start to the year, I guess, for our country. Yeah, but, 100%. Um, yeah, hopefully it will pick up after that. So, yeah, well, it can't get worse, right? <laughs> well, you know, You'd that's, hope. that's how things work. You know, things are in a constant state of, of flux and when they're at the lowest of lowest, there is nowhere else to go but up. And when they're yeah. up, you know, it's about not being complacent, um, that things sort of stay good. And it's just, it's about being able to ride the wave and that's what what we all need to do in our personal lives and as a society and just got to keep riding the wave. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I do think that it's been, it's been really amazing to see how much people have come together and how much support there's been obviously from other countries as well as our own, but it's just been quite incredible. Um, no, definitely. So, you know, that's, and it's something that I think ties into everything, but through definitely adversity support networks and just, relationships and love it's it will always try like triumph it's um it's just it's a human need us as humans we we need people around us we need connections we need support um and yeah i guess as hard and as tragic as times like this are they they do show they give opportunity for that and to facilitate that sense of belonging and sense of unity and solidarity yeah so this is obviously probably quite a big part of your work personally, um, as an almost psychologist. <laughs> almost, <laughs> nearly six years later. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah, it's been a, lo- a long haul. But yeah, no, definitely. Um, psychology, it's, hopefully, it's, it's, you know, it really is becoming, I mean, I mean, yeah, mental health and that is becoming one of it, the biggest burdens on our public health system and Hopefully, yeah, I guess government and that is recognizing the needs for it. And it's, you know, I think, you know, my personal fight is to try to get sort of that mental and physical health on par yeah. and for them to realize that, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's so important. And yeah, our, our mental, our mental states, it, it affects everything. Um, so yeah, it's a really important, important profession and it's sort of like a, you know, I, I almost think everyone should study at some point a bit of psychology because it's just about relating to people, understanding people, understanding why they are the way they are, why they do the things they do. And yeah, it just helps to give that, that understanding that, you know, of, of, of what it means to be a human being. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'd like your thoughts on this, to be honest. Like, why do you think there's such a need for mental health these days? Like, why is everyone so fucked up? Well, what do you think? Um, I think a lot of it really does have to do with, a lot of societal trends and cultures um yeah we've you know we've made so much progress in in many ways you know in the world and um in in rights and values but we've also regressed a lot i think i think nothing in this world is inherently good or bad it's it's how we use it and that's that's the danger yeah, and sure. so you know even things like something like social media you know when 
landed in the wrong hands or when people aren't educated on or, or don't actually have the, the right intentions and, and reasons for, for using these things, they can go horribly wrong. But I think I think our world is becoming incre um, incredibly um, impatient. I, I think we've got a lot of instant gratification in our day-to-day -day life um, and we, we just want things immediately. People really struggle to work through things and I think people just want sort of very much quick fixes and um, you know we're just so used to having everything at the click of our fingers and at, at a demand that people are really lacking almost yeah the resilience to overcome things and work through things and with our lives people ironically I think are becoming more lonely in today's world and it, it links back to this idea of you know connection and relationships and even though we're becoming more connected on one elements it is creating a bit of an illusion of what that connection is, you know? I think a lot of people, you know, I almost call them keyboard warriors. Like, people say, like, most of the connections these days are behind a screen. And it's so sad when you see even kids. Like, these days, play dates consist of everyone sitting on their phone on a couch. How crazy is it? I had fucking stilts made out of baked bean cans. <laughs> yeah, no. And bits of rope. <laughs> <gasps> no, it's it's just, yeah, tragic. Like, like you know, I think people are honestly almost losing the skills of how to actually have face-to-face, person-to-person connections and relationships. And so there's that. And I also think the world's becoming um, increasingly pressurizing. I think the pressure in today's world, the demands, the expectations, the image that people have to uphold, it, it can be just so, so, so destructive. So I don't know. I, I, on the top of my head, I guess those things come to mind. Just the pressurizing society that we live in um and look that i think that does link to systems we have in place you know um a big struggle i have is that in today's world um we all want quantifiable measures um to validate ourselves whether that is you know you validate yourselves by how many facebook friends and instagram likes you have how many you know what your weight is on a scale yeah. what your salary is what your how much you know, we, we, we want these tangible measures to, to quantify and to validate ourselves, but they can be also so destructive. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it's, it takes away from, you know, your value for who you are, not just what you, what you do or what you can achieve. And I think these, these, they're inevitable in our, in our lives. And I'm not saying that we can't have them, but we need to learn to relate to them differently. It can't be the motivating factor for why we, we, it can't be the driving factor for why we do things. It's got to be the byproduct. For sure. So you mean you want to focus on the means rather than the end. Yeah. And the values which lie in, yeah, the, in exactly. the means of getting to the end. A hundred percent. You know, like people, if more people in today's world did what they love, so many people, you know, are so unhappy and they're doing jobs because they will bring in that income. But if, you know, if you do what you love and, and you know, and then your income will come secondary to that. You know, if you form connections and then you want to build a social um, media network from that then that's fine if you want to you know it's what we were even talking about you know with exercise how many people are driven by you know doing it for how you look and not how you feel and yeah. it's just important to like keep these you know yeah the values and the, and the, the good intentions um and the motivations at the forefront and those secondary gains will come will follow but um everyone's become very fixated on and i get it because as i say we all want just we all want a tangible measurable quantifiable indicator of if we're good enough but it's yeah i guess we all have an idea of what success looks like and if it doesn't look like that well how will people know that we're successful yeah a hundred percent and yeah. i mean at some point that links i guess to even 
my story and, and you know, a lot of my dad. And I guess a lot of this has, you know, come through that I've really tragically seen um, some really sad outcomes to this type of um, mentality and, and sort of way that society functions. Are you happy to talk more yeah. about that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, and I guess it, you know, it, it all links, I mean, the same themes keep recurring, but, you know, mental health and those struggles, yeah, they definitely don't discriminate. They don't discriminate amongst even socioeconomic class, race, gender, you know, no one sort of escapes, like, or gets, gets by untouched all the time. Um, I, yeah, I grew up in a really, um, really quite an, an affluent good um, community back in Sydney um, lived a very yeah normal probably even sheltered life very privileged life and um, yeah life drastically changed in about year um, the end of year 10 year 11 had a huge family sort of crisis and fallout and once again a lot of the time it's, it is around money and and those things and um, it sent um, my parents into major depressions and um, there was a lot of yeah role reversal that I from <clears throat> a 17 year old child that was just trying to find my way and struggling with my own anxieties and perfectionism and academic achievements um, to suddenly have to take on um, some really difficult roles um, and yeah it's hard you know ex you know your parents when you know, your parents, you grow up and they're supposedly meant to be, you know, these role models and, you know, they're your, your heroes and your pillars of strength and your rocks and to see them deteriorate and crumble, is, it shakes your whole world. Um, you know, from, from parents of a mother who, you know, ran her own business and looked after three kids and two sick parents in wheelchairs um, and, you know, to then not being able to get out of bed was um, a really difficult thing to watch and, and be involved in and um, yeah both my parents struggled in their own ways um, and yeah very tragically they're both um, my, my mother did um, have a few suicide attempts but um, she um, yeah thank god um, you know did survive and then very tra tragically in 2016 um, my dad ended up taking his life and um, it's quite a unique case I mean suicide in itself is a very very complex very complex phenomena and complex death um, there's a lot of paradoxes about it um, you know it's a very very selfish act but very selfless it's very cowardice but courageous um, it's it goes against our, our it goes against our evolutionary survival means but um, it was a pretty unique case because I think, you know, it is a very taboo topic and, and, you know, when you come across people and, you know, you even say you've lost a parent, no one would even fathom that as, as, as a means of someone People going. get really awkward. I imagine that would make them very awkward. It, it, I mean, it does. They go through the list. They say it was cancer, car accident, you know, no one, yeah. But people like 20 it's, question you about it. Yeah, people, you know, I'd because just not ask unless the information <laughs> was volunteered. To be honest, <laughs> but yeah, I share because yeah, I think it is about breaking yeah down these taboos. But no, I say um, no. He he took his life, and uh, people are yeah. They I have think it no just seems crazy for to... A, to imagine a parent because obviously it makes you think of your own 
your own parent and how yeah, you'd feel and you just can't I guess it's something you just can't comprehend whilst I mean most people can comprehend losing a family member because mm. most people have experienced it yeah. like the thought of that it's just it's just so shocking and so awful yeah you know they say I mean lots you know that was obviously the pinnacle of of the struggle but there was yeah a lot of there was through that period there was a lot of domestic violence there was a lot of um yeah, it was, you know, an external thing became, you know, as a family, we became, like, broken. And there was, yeah, like, a lot, yeah, a huge amount of trauma um, involved. And, but, um, you know, and I always say that almost if I, uh, <laughs> if I had a glass bulb shown to me, you know, 10 years ago, well, what my life would have eventuated to, you know, I don't know if I would have been able to get out of bed back then. But, um, yeah, this is what is amazing about, about the human potential and about, you know, resilience that we don't know about but the interesting thing I think about um my case I think suicide is for a lot of suicides that happen it's it's a, a lot of the time out of the blue um that you know it comes as a shock to people it was a very unique case with sort of my parents and I guess particularly my dad that um it was a very openly spoken about thing it was something that I was aware was going to happen that he he said that he was going to do that yeah how on earth do you even deal with hearing that as a daughter <laughs> yeah <laughs> how do you do it it's a good question um it this is look out of everything that's happened in my life I think the hardest thing that I had to accept or the hardest thing was to accept that that could that that was an inevitable outcome that was going to happen and that there wasn't I couldn't do more to stop it or to save him um, I had did I, I did all I could for the years I lived at home. So this this period of yeah this the struggle and, and adversity and hardship um, yeah lasted from yeah 2010 to 2016. You know we're talking almost eight years of of going through this um, <clears throat> and yeah um, the hardest thing that I've you know has yeah, had to accept that um, I can't. I can't help someone more than they want to help themselves. And yeah. that's a really, really hard thing to accept. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, but, that, and that's what's so, so incredibly hard about mental health. And this is this whole, as I say, the disparity between physical and mental health is that when people, you know, suffer from, from physical illness and um, <clears throat> they, you know, it's a lot of their recovery in that is actually in the, in the um, arms of of the practitioners around them, you know, you have a you have a broken bone or you have a tumor, and you you go to the doctor, and they can firstly give you a very tangible um, diagnosis and scan of it, and then and then they treat it, and you know, you, it, you very much your you know your life is sort of very much in their hands. But when it comes to mental health, it's this double edged sword that um, it is very much on the person's doing to help themselves that you know you can only you can only give people you know you can't take a horse you can take the horse to the water but you can't make them drink yeah, yeah. um so you've got to you know and 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 the, and the biggest the hardest thing is that people do fall victim to it and they think that they you know that they can't help themselves and that's why it's it's a really hard thing but I, I guess I'm just such an advocate for just empowerment and for autonomy that you know just as we do and can get up I, I don't think people cause a lot of mental illness, it's what we call in, you know, in psychology, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's gene environment, it's nature, nurture, it's, you know, you can have a predisposition, but it needs to be triggered. 
Um, and so you can make it worse or better depending on your lifestyle, your relationship. Yeah, a lot of things. And even personality. Kind of if anything, if I had to write a PhD one day, it's really interesting that um, people think a lot about the time, a lot of the time that it's just circumstance and it's, and it's the illness. Um, but there's other variables, you know, you'll, and that's what we talk about in psych is the protective and the risk factors. Um, and, you know, um, you know, support net- networks are a protective factor, you know, risk factors. And, and, and personality is really interesting. My dad was a really easygoing guy. Um, and yeah, he was just a, he was, he was almost too easygoing, um, and too complacent with too little that he didn't have enough fight in him. Yeah. Um, he didn't have, you know, the fight. Whereas, you know, other people, um, you know, even other members in my, in my family who almost have displayed even these narcissistic qualities that I can really resent in life. It, it ended up being their survival because they thought that they were, you know, they thought that they really were like God's gift to this earth and that they were never actually, as, as much as they were in their deepest depression, they weren't going to, going to call it quits. So, um, so being an arsehole can have its advantages. Everything in life, yeah. That's it's fucked. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, nothing's adapt. Like, everything in life, yeah, it's not inherently good or bad. It's adaptive or maladaptive, depending on the circumstance at the time. You know, for me to survive what I needed to do and go into survival mode, you know, my body was constantly firing, you know, in my fight-flight mode under such severe trauma and stress and pressure. And it served its purpose for that time in my life. I needed it. But my life circumstances have changed and I don't need to be functioning in that way. And so what was adaptive is now maladaptive where there's no sort of imminent threat that's there, but my body still responds as if there is. Yeah. And I'm, you know, busy sort of trying to re and almost that I feel flat myself that I'm so used to thriving and functioning through dysfunction that without it, I feel flat and purposeless. I totally understand this. I guess it's the same as with any relationship when it's high drama, um, you know, I guess toxic, but mm-hmm. you kind of get used to that um, high, that extreme high and that extreme low. And then when you're in a relationship where there's none of that and it's just, you know, um, pretty steady, mm-hmm. you think that there's something wrong because you don't have this constant drama. Um, yeah. Yeah. Humans, we thrive. It almost acts like its own form of like addiction pathways. We, we yeah. do. We become addicted to, we, we all want to, play the hero we all want to be validated we all want to be needed um and yeah it's a lot of people feel uncomfortable sorry a lot of people don't know how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and my my <laughs> struggle at the moment is Mate, learning to be so true. comfortable with <laughs> being comfortable uh, <laughs> yeah fair because you're so used to being uncomfortable i'm so used to be comfortable with uncomfortable i'm so used to just you know, um, being able to just, yeah, sit through a lot of shit and a lot of, you know, just discomfort, a lot of hardship. Um, so when nothing's going wrong, you almost feel like something's wrong. Yeah. Or you do you feel like you're constantly waiting for something to go yeah, wrong? Yeah, and then you almost, yeah, it becomes its own almost, you know, you almost, it's almost like something has to be wrong and you start, yeah, looking for things. Or like you create it almost, yeah. Or yeah, you just, you become, you're just hypersensitive to it. Um... So, yeah, as hard as, as hard as that was, um, and yeah, and even though I cognitively knew that that was going to happen, you know, with my dad and you can, you know, you, you can sort of prepare for that and have to work through that acceptance. Nothing prepares you for that finality because yeah, death is just so final. There's nothing else in our life that is that 
final and irreversible. Everything in life can almost be rectified. But I'm sure. Yeah. It's and, and as human beings we actually aren't yeah, we don't. <laughs> we, we we're not um almost made to understand what finality is. And it's the same thing and that's why the grief associated, you know, there's two experiences in life that they say are like just fucking hard and that is losing a loved one and um like through death and also going through a significant relationship breakdown. And they're both grief. Um, you're both they're both loss and I've sort of experienced them both now and can therefore verify how similar the experience the feelings around that are because on top of sort of losing my dad and through this whole difficult period, once again I you know I say that I was in a really amazing relationship that was definitely a protective factor for me. Um, I I moved out of home. So I'm an identical twin. And my twin That's yeah, cool. Built in yeah, my so this, twin this is... Money, this might not even be Nicole. She could have, got, could, have, could have got her to fill in. <laughs> yeah, she's, um, she's the greatest gift that I ever got in my life. And I don't think I would be able to get through... I wouldn't have been able to get through what I have without, without her by my side. And I'm just very, very, very blessed to have an inbuilt companion. That's really cool. That a lot of people don't. And that's why I've never really ever experienced loneliness in my life. And to tell you the truth, that's definitely one thing worse than death in this world is loneliness. Um... Yeah, and so, yeah, I had an identical twin, and through all of this, I, I moved out of home at 19, which was a pretty unique experience for my community, which was very sheltered, and you sort of live, you know, you, it's an insult to your parents. So you, like, live there until you get married, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, and until, yeah, it's an insult to your parents to move out. They want you to stay home. Oh, my God, my it's, parents were, were everyone else so was stoked when I moved out. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, this is this is my community that I came from. But, um, so for me to actually leave home... Um, because of circumstances, a very yeah. And this was after after your father had passed no, away. Before. before, okay. And that was even a hard thing to move out of home and to know that I wasn't there to micromanage. Yeah, okay. And to walk away accepting that, um, and that's you know another uh, you know the acceptance is just one of the hardest things in this world, but also the, you know survival was also dependent on compartmentalization, and um, and support networks. Like if I have to think about those three things, I mean, yeah, I had to. I think people go down. When you start letting, I guess, that pain and suffering infiltrate into every aspect of your life, that's when you fall down with it. And so as hard as it was, I had to compartmentalize that when I was at home and I was dealing with the shit I was, that's, you know, that was despairing and difficult. And But then, you know, I tried to channel other things and, I, you know, it was about, I couldn't, I couldn't change that thing in my life, but I could try take charge of other things that I did have more control over and that's why you know I, when I I don't know how I managed to get through my psychology degree I mean I wrote I wrote exams six weeks after my dad passed oh my god and I had to get into I had to get distinction averages to get into honors it's a, it's a you know and you did it there's only a hundred that go from a thousand and wow I actually couldn't even and, and, and you want to talk about fucked up systems this is your best example of it is that even the psychology department the way they dealt with the suicide and that was just completely insensitive. You know, I said to them, I'm normally a distinction student. Um, I, I normally do um, produce and, and um, get those marks, but I'm not sure if I can do it in these circumstances. Fair. And because yeah. they gave me the option to withdraw, but it would have prolonged it a year and a half. And I just, my life had already been put on hold so much and I just wanted to keep going for myself. Yeah. But I said, can you not share leniency that if I don't get those marks, it's reflective of circumstance and not my capabilities? Yeah. And they said, nah, if you get the marks to go through, you don't, you don't. 
that's just the way it works. You're a number at this point. And um, yeah, I, I really couldn't believe it. And I, I wrote it anyways and said sort of, fuck you if, if I don't get through, like that's your loss to your university. Hopefully someone else will take me. But yeah, I managed to somehow miraculously did it. get distinctions in That's statistics. Amazing. Oh my god! Because <laughs> seventy-five percent fail rate, and like, yeah, it was a really triumphant year. And so, yeah, the fact that I, like, I got through that. But yeah, you know, needing to compartmentalize and sort of, you know, when I was studying, really focusing, and and it relates, I guess, a lot to being present and mindfulness and whatever I'm doing to keep my focus on that, you know. And when I was with friends, I was with friends. And when I was studying, I was studying. And when I was at home, I was dealing with that. But as soon as you sort of let that pain and suffering and, and you know, trauma start to penetrate every aspect of my life, that's, you know, that's when you... And that's what sort of depression is, is when, I guess, it does, when it does become all-consuming. So, um, but then the hard thing is that in the year after that, um, my relationship ended. Um, with my partner of five years oh fuck dude (laughs) oh my god so and I know you mentioned the other day about Graham being your constant in your life and I resonate with that a lot because yeah yeah, my partner was also the only constant in my life the only stable thing through all of this instability well obviously so much instability in your life even in terms of you know you're not from here you've (laughs) moved to another country you've had all this yeah trauma yeah and, and yeah, and he was, yeah, and, and I think what was so crazy is that, you know, he, he, it wasn't, yeah, he, he helped to really, min- like, take, like, so much of the pain I went through, he really helped me, you know, he helped to, to minimize that, and it's crazy to think that, and we went through quite a bad breakup, and a whole change of character in him, and I just, yeah, never anticipated that the person who had done so much good and helped me through the hardest years of my life could ever sort of cause that amount of pain. And, um, yeah, so there was a lot of grief and that's, he, that was actually from Sydney and a part of the reason of moving to Melbourne was also, I mean, I got accepted into my master's course here, but I also needed a clean break. He had actually moved from Melbourne to Sydney for me. So it's a bit of a mind fact that he moved from Melbourne to Sydney and then I'm now in Melbourne. Yeah. He's in Sydney. Um, but yeah, the grief associated, it was just, it, it compounded the grief and the loss in my life. And, you know, I now was losing another significant um, figure in my life another male figure and what makes it almost more you know just hard to comprehend I mean as 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 hard as you know as I said the acceptance of my dad's death was it is black and white and he's not here and I can't entertain the idea of having a relationship with him but with with relationships romantic relationships you know the person exists in this world but not in your life and you know and the triggers aren't just past they're present you know going back to city and like you know thinking i could see him and he has another partner now and, and it's just um becomes really triggering um and really difficult and yeah this year was sort of the first time that i've really experienced that that loneliness because i've actually spent more nights of my life sharing a bit with someone than not you know my twin and i shared a room for 12 years i had six years apart and the last five was with my partner so this year, I've really learned what it means to be a self-sufficient. Um, alter- I mean, I've had a lot of independence in my life, but not necessarily individuality. Yeah. And uh, it's been a really important thing to, to learn and um, to become self-reliant. And, you know, that's not denying that there isn't room for support networks. But we do also have to learn that we have to somehow be able to regulate ourselves. And, and we, we are, you know, we only have ourselves that we wake up with in the morning too. And... Um, you know, we can we can numb the pain in whatever way possible, but at the end of the day, you know, you carry it wherever you go. 
I think it's really hard to find that balance between needing to be okay by yourself, but also, you know, wanting yeah. to have that support network. It's quite terrifying. A hundred percent. You want to like give yourself fully to like a, a partner or be completely open and completely vulnerable with your friends or with your family. But there's always that fear that like, what if they don't stick around? And it's just so easy to hold back or mm. not be yourself completely because you're just so scared that you're going to lose them. Yeah. Not necessarily to uh, death, but no, you know, but exactly. But it's the same loss, but lose them. Exactly. Yeah. Lose them. The, the void. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, a lot of people live like that. A lot of people live in that comfort and that protection and that defense mechanisms. And it makes a hundred percent sense. And what, that's what I said is at one point in the time it really served its, its purpose and its survival mechanisms. But I'm a big believer, and maybe that's just because my tolerance for discomfort or distress might be high for other people, but I also used to live my life um, on quite a flat plane, and I would prevent sort of the highs of highs, but also the lowest of lows, and live at a steady pace, but that's... It's like if you can't have, you can't have one without the other. You can't, and I'm a big believer of that, this whole, uh, you know, they, what do they always talk about, like, Murphy's Law, you know, every action has a opposing reaction, and... On Newton's Law. Yeah, it's not on Murphy's, God, it's embarrassing. But I, I, I've always kind of had, had this analogy in my kind of head that it's like climbing a wall, and the further you climb, the further you have to fall, but the greater the heights you reach, and, and that applies to everything. The better the view? Or something? The greater, <laughs> just the greater, you know, that the, the greater the success, the the gratification of it, you know, and this relates to falling in love, relates to succeeding in your career, it relates to achieving goals, like, you know, high risk, high reward, but I do think that that's ultimately what life is about, and I guess my message is that you've got to just accept going into anything in life, whether any anything that you've got to accept that with those highs will come those lows, and I think I would, as, and look, when I'm in those lows or lows, you're like, fuck this, I actually... Yeah, I'm never doing this again, I'm going to be alone forever. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah um... <laughs> With, yeah, and I, I do think that that's what life is. And as I said, things are in a state of flux and you've got to just believe in the process that, you know, with those ups will come those downs and it will, and that things will keep, you know, um, keep changing. Um, so, yeah, as hard as it is, I think that's what makes life what it is and that's what, that's what true life, like that's what, that's what living is. It's, it's being able to, as I said, it's weather, weathering the storm and riding that wave and, when things are good, really appreciating them for what they are, but not becoming attached to that. Yeah, I think yeah, being attached to either negative to both, or hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and and exactly, and when things are going you know so bad, not becoming attached to that either. Um, and that's why, I, and you know, and it does come down to control. People, we as humans want control, and we struggle, and that's why vulnerability is linked to control. Um, but yeah, we. At some point, you have to, you know, believe, yeah, you know, put put it out to the universe, as you say, and just believe that, um, you know, things, you know, I, I've, I've also grown up as a perfectionist my whole life, and as that, it becomes very hard to be content with any decision, because you always think they could be better. Yeah. There's a better partner out there for you, there's a better mark I could get, there's a better person I could be. Um, and you only you only have like a fleeting moment of happiness okay, before you're like 100%. Yeah, before yeah. you're like, no, I should have done more. I should have done better. And it's such a dist- you know, it's, it's it's so destructive. It's so destructive. It comes from a really positive, you know, personality trait to be ambitious in this. But you know, everything in life is balance. It is the hardest thing to achieve. And that's another thing I was going to mention. You know, it's that fine line before you know of compassion and criticism, of complacency and accepting your capacities, but also like extending them. It it's it's so hard to navigate it's so so hard but we've got to constantly just keep striving striving for that 
But um, yeah, as a perfectionist, and then my psychologist um, really said to me that it's true. Like, there is no right decision. You make a decision and you make it right. Yeah. There is almost this arbitrariness of like, you know, what is right or wrong. And, and people put so much effort in this world about thinking about what they should do and into the decision-making process itself, where the real effort comes into once you've made the decision, making that work. Not choosing which partner you're going to enter into a relationship with. People, you know, invest so much energy into that but it's once you choose that partner making it work with that partner once you choose that career making it work once you choose that and there's it just there's there's infinite possibilities there's infinite careers that we could do and and courses we could study and people we could be with and and therefore we you know we've got to just i guess yeah as i say not become so attached to to what it is and just be confident in who we are who we are and that will carry you not what you do um, and not who you're with. And, um, you know, it's that internal locus of control. It's like really just, and it links back to, you know, this empowerment. And, and as I said, just as people can get themselves into the shit, they can get themselves out. And as hard as that is, when you do, it's incredibly satisfying and rewarding. And, and you grow so much from it as well. I feel like I've only become a better person from like hardships that I've faced and, and everyone get gets through. it, you know, you don't, you don't escape it. You get it at some point or not in, in, in your life. And as I said, it is, it is, it's all relative. I spent my, my high school days crying in my early years about, um, of high school, crying over school and, and, and academics. And I, you know, cried if I didn't get the 90s and 80s wasn't good enough. And then when shit hit the fan with my family and I got a big wake-up call. But, you know, I, and, and I guess I have, you know, I always think, well, how the hell did I waste so much emotional energy on such trivial things but that things are like that's what's real to us at every point in our life that's all you know and that is as real to you and that's why people despite their circumstances in life can relate to the same feelings because it's it's that's you know you still feel the same things even if the causes are different um but yeah perspective is another huge thing perspective and gratitude they really are and like they're thrown around a lot and they're cliche and but they're so true perspective you know when i was 10 i came up with this um four pillar value system and it still holds true then hang on when you were 10, <laughs> 10 when i was 10 i was seeing how many pieces of gum i could fit in my mouth at the same time <laughs> like 10 hubba bubba you know the big gum maybe i was 12 sorry that's 12 <laughs> no can 12. we say 10 because that's way better can you please tell me about this i didn't even maybe. know what value was when i was 10 i just said that in life you need acceptance balance consistency and perspective Holy fucking <laughs> shit. <laughs> I know, a bit of an analytical one. That's um, amazing. But it just, it still holds so much truth. Acceptance of the things you can't change um, and acceptance of what things are and balance between things and consistencies like integrity and perspective. And, um, you know, um, yeah, linking, you know, all these loose knots is that, uh, you know, I think my, my passion for psychology honestly probably also came through growing up as an identical twin and, and watching another person, you know, so many people, so many children in this world grow up very egocentric. Um, you know, it's about me, me, me. And, um, but I, yeah, I've always grown up with another and I guess watching her and observing her sparked this interest of like fascination with like behavior and human behavior and why we are the way we are. So that's sort of what sparked, um, yeah, the interest in psychology. And when all of this happened, as I said, with, uh, my family, you know, I feel qualified by life experience. Yeah, um, now I just need definitely. the paper to to verify that. But um, to tell you the truth, I have my own complex um, 
complexities and struggles with even psychology as a discipline because you know um you know accepting that i couldn't even save my dad and i couldn't help him makes me think well you know what's the what the point what's what's the point um <laughs> but yeah i think and that's to tell you the truth the lesson of acceptance of you know i can't help someone more than they want to help themselves is also something i'm going to have to learn going into this career and that you know you can't you know because things like guilt is also a really destructive um emotion um but I, I, I've definitely, I'm at peace with that. I don't blame myself for what was. I did everything I could. Um, but yeah, psychology, the biggest detriment to it is that it's a very um, treatment-focused approach and not a preventative approach. So much more work needs to be done from a much earlier age. And once again, resilience. It, resilience needs to be taught and exposed to at a younger age. You know, I think in this world too many parents and it's they, they kill with kindness and like they want only the best for their kids and they want to shelter them but they're not doing they're doing them a disservice yeah wrapping something in cotton wool isn't going to make it stronger right no it but yeah no it's because no parents and no one wants to see anyone go through pain but you know we, it's necessary you know it's we have to build it's like resistance training exactly like weights yeah exactly you have to build that resistance and you have to acclimatize to it and we just need more positive psychology. It's not just about, you know, because the problem is people, shit hits the fan and then they seek help. And for a lot of the time, it's too late. For my dad, it was too late. Was your dad seeing a psychologist or a therapist this, my during dad, this time? He was. And he was also on the strongest antidepressants that you can be on. Wow. And it just shows you your mind is stronger than, than anything. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's... I mean, as I said, it, you know, there was a lot of... I mean, the hardest thing, I guess, with my dad is I don't feel sorry that I've lost my father figure. I feel what, what sort of eats me is uh, um, is to just know that someone who I love so much and who I saw so much value in um, didn't value themselves and they didn't love themselves enough. They didn't think that they were worth occupying space and breath on, in this, on this world, in this world and on this, on this earth. And a lot of his struggles were linked to that he financially and, and, and his career, like he, you know, that it, it, he wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough. He, his business really struggled. And, you know, and it's a big thing, you know, men and attaching their self-worth to their financial status and their career. And it's just, it's soul destroying because he was an unbelievable father and a son-in-law. And I loved him for what he could give, not what he couldn't, but he just too much of his whole self-worth was defined by you know by this number and by that sort of validation and this is I guess what I was linking to back before about just the dangers of these things about attaching our whole self-worth to these external measures it's just really really dangerous um so that's why yeah I guess I live my life with a lot of values at the core because you know it's so easy to get caught up in all of it but if you just you know, keep keep those values and what matters most, you know. And that's why I said the biggest tragedy in life is not learning from the tragedy itself. And I just hope that, like, you know, I kind of think, I know, I mean, I'm only 25, but I know from just my tiny little community, 10 people that have taken their lives. It's a fuckload. <laughs> it's a fuckload. Yeah. I know a lot of people. And it, it always makes me think, how many more do we need for people to start realizing, as I say, what's important? And, you know, kids are, 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 are um, taking their lives and, and suiciding because, you know, they're not, they, you know, they don't feel good enough, that they're not smart enough, they're not pretty enough, they're not, 
Um, and yeah, and as I said, it doesn't discriminate even amongst age. And as you say, if anything, it just gets harder because the older you are, you know, our neural pathways are just becoming more fixed. And it's, you know, we are, the human brain is neuroplastic, but, you know, it takes a lot of work to have to undo these core beliefs and, and these ways that we've been just living and functioning our whole lives. But that's why from a younger age, like at school, school is just such a, and, you know, and me even as an educational, well, to be an educational developmental psychologist, you know, can really see myself running programs in schools and what you know it's not just about teaching them their abc and their maths but let's find out what their values are let's teach them life skills let's teach them you know strength and resilience and 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 you know and building and um you know from a, yeah from a young age and teach them give them the vocab for expressing their emotions and and teach them how to interact with people and how to deal with conf confrontation and conflict and you know, these things are just going to be so imperative going forward that if, you know, how much, you know, you know, majority of our healthcare today is mental health related. 70% of our doctor referrals are for mental health plans and antidepressants. And people just want a quick fix, you know. I, I have these, I have a very, you know, as I say, love, like a lot of my own struggles with psychology because on one hand, you know, we don't want things to be taboo. We want people to talk giving labels, you know, depression and, and all of these things, once again, they're not good or bad, but it's how we use them. On some hand, on, on one point, on one hand, people use these labels as a self-fulfilling prophecy and they play victim to it. That's another big thing of an important thing for, and I guess how I got through my struggles is not playing victim to my circumstances. It's justifiable too. It's understandable too that I could have just, you know, said, fuck it all, it's too hard and just, curled up into a ball and not wanted to deal with it but that can really get you so far but yeah not playing victim to your situation and knowing that you know we can't control what happens to us we can only control how we respond to them we can't control the circumstances in life what happens a lot of that's out of our control but we can control no one can take away from you your attitude um and your 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 perspective and and that's something that is within our control and that's why even with psychology and, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, a lot of it's about changing our thoughts because our emotions are very, um, they're very instinctive. We can't really control our emotions. They, 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 they come on very quickly and strongly, but we can change our thoughts and how we think about things. And with that, that changes the way we feel and then changes the way we behave. Um, so yeah, not playing, playing the victim. And it's just hard because it's a double edged sword, you know, giving labels and diagnoses to people on one hand can be really empowering it can give people an understanding of why they have been feeling the way they are I'm kind of like i'm not crazy i'd literally have yeah it makes sense i've got <laughs> yeah. chemical imbalances and, yeah. and struggle but it's about using these things as i said to empower us and not to play a victim to it using it to not using forward. it as an excuse exactly yeah and that can also happen it's this really fragile system that a lot of it you know does become you know I'm not getting out of bed because depressed people don't get out of bed. So I don't have to get out of bed. Yeah, I'm not going to that party because I'm anxious. So I'm just not going to go. Yeah. So, yeah, as I said, it all relates to... It's all, all that balancing act. And, and as I said, yeah, so psychology, it's, it's, there's a big need for it. But a lot of structural things need to change. And as I said, just positive psychology. It's not just about, you know... And, and like, I, I've even been, you know, with only 10... 
you know, fucking sessions a year to go see a psychologist. I've had to disperse them that only, I only go in crisis mode. Only when I, you know, I'm in absolute crisis, like, do I utilize those services? But how are you ever meant to get above equilibrium if you're constantly just trying to crisis management? Yeah. Um, you know, so there just needs to be a lot more resources put into it. And that, you know, every single person could benefit from going to a psychologist. I mean, the taboo around it, every single person could benefit the amount of personal growth you have, self-development, to just talk to someone objectively. Everyone could benefit from it. Um, but, yeah, there's just, uh, it's it's not as accessible. and It's so expensive. It's, and people do have that whole kind of um, misconception of, you don't want to say you see a psychologist because yeah, there's people... pride. There's a lot of pride and yeah. shame, and there's but that also really sadly came at the expense. You know, like my parents, this whole internal struggle that was happening in our family. I mean, yeah, no one knew what was going on behind closed walls. I opened up to my friends in this now because I saw the value of confiding in people and forming those relationships. But my parents had a lot of pride, and in the end, I think it almost did cost. It cost my daddy's life because you know not reaching out. I mean, yes, he had psychologists, but not reaching out for the support network and not wanting to, people to know what was really happening. And, uh, you know, in life, <clears throat> we will grow up and we will either emulate everything our parents did for us or we will be different to that. But hopefully it, it help, all helps to shape us, you know. I've learned a lot through these experiences and, you know, even through bad experiences of what I don't want to be like, you know, how I, how I want to approach things differently, how I want, you know, how I want to be a different wife and mother and um daughter and friend and and it's interesting how much you can learn what not to do from <laughs> someone i was talking to this about this with someone the other day about different leaders that we've had and how you learn so much more from having a poor leader because <laughs> you're like well that didn't fucking work i'm not gonna do that and also from you know breakdowns of relationships yeah, and what you do 100%. i do like a um after action review um, of things like relationships and weightlifting competitions and stuff like that, just so that I can pinpoint like what could I have done better, like what went what went wrong, um, so I don't fucking do it the next time. So, that's exactly what I was saying. Right? The biggest tragedy from these tragedies is not learning from Yeah, them. exactly. You know, and that's like they shoot in the moment and they're so hard, and that's why it's like this is so hard. But in the long run, it's for the best, and that's that also I think relates back to what I was saying even in the beginning of this constant like we need instant. Um, you know instant comfort and gratification that like you know people really struggle to like deal with the, the struggle in, in the moment but like you need to do that for, for, for a better long haul you know but you know we you know our tolerance everyone almost needs like yeah our tolerance for distress and discomfort well if you to... the thing is I've read in this book actually which is kind of relates to what you're saying which is quite interesting is that we're so kind of privileged in the society that we have so much and not a lot of things, are, you know, go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So you get fucking worked up and lose your shit over like the most innocuous shit, like mm -hmm. you know, you didn't you didn't get on the waitlist at your yoga class, or um, petrol went up ten cents a liter, or stuff. Even a very entitled. Yeah. Part. So it's like, well, if you're not having those actual <laughs> real life issues. Um, like major crises, you're not going to deal with that shit because you're too busy having a fucking soot because broccoli went up to $7 a kilo, which is disgusting that they charge that much. But you know what I mean? Yeah, like, 100%. You can't deal with, like, you know, the worst thing that's happened to me this year is that I left my laptop on the plane, right? And I was like, motherfucker, because it's my laptop. But then I was like, you know what? Like, half of Australia is on fire. Um, 
there's so many worse things that could be happening. It's just a laptop. Who cares? And people keep going, oh, have you found, have you got your laptop back? I'm like, no. Oh, well. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. So that's why it links to that, yeah. Yeah, that, that perspective. And that's why, like, I also think a lot of suffering in this world, like, if it happens, then at least let's, like, take the lessons to be learned from that and share it. And that's yeah, why... Yeah, like, don't leave your laptop on the plane, for example, because Jetstar will not give it back to you. <laughs> some... Some fucker out there has a golden MacBook Pro with a mind gold wallpaper. I hope you're listening to this. I hope you're listening to this, you fuck. Good luck trying to crack my password and getting in. Look, anyway, karma comes back. All like, you've yeah. got, all you're going to get is my resume and a whole bunch of photos of me. Look, Sarah, you're lucky that most of you, your most valuable things is, is inside your brain. So you're lucky that no one can take that away that from you. That is true. That is true. Yeah. And I have this uh, desktop from 2006, so it's fine. <laughs> when, there, when there's a will, there's a way. Exactly. Um, um, what, I'm, what I'm interested in is how would you, how would you advise somebody if, they're, if they have a friend or a partner or a family member who's experiencing really severe depression, anxiety, something like that, what do you advise as like strategies for them? Because I find it, it's, it's like, it's so hard having been in relationships before having friends um, that are going through this sort of thing. It's so hard to understand um, and so hard to know how to be supportive, how not to smother, how to give space, but make sure they're okay. Mm. Like what's, what would you suggest? Oh, it's so hard because the funny thing is, is that, <laughs> Yeah, it's still so individualized for every person because people have different needs. Um, and oh, you're going to have to break that question down even further. You're saying how advice that you would give to people. Who are in a, like a position of being supportive. And how do you kind of accept that it's not about you? But I think that's one of the hardest things, having been in relationships before where... I just can't understand the other person's actions and I've made them to be about myself um, because that's the only way I can interpret being, you know, ignored or being avoided is that mm. it's something about me that that person doesn't want to be around and, and actually accepting that it's nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. I find like that historically for me has been the hardest part. Definitely. Well, there, yeah, look, and that's that goes back to yeah it's about not in yeah not internalizing it when people yeah when people i mean and that happens all the time you know loved ones and that around us you know they can really hurt us but it's about not internalizing that and to know that you know it's yeah you know we we all only have a finite capacity our emotional capacity you know to deal with things and we need to be more selective of what we choose to dispel it on um as i said it's it's a very fine line because you know from my experiences it's about you know being supportive but it's about that like line about also knowing when to self-preservate um because ultimately you know and especially if this is people really close to home so you know even talking about family members and this and that you know if you go down with them then everyone's everyone's screwed you know there's got to be a level of You've got to be supportive, but it really does go back to like, you know, the oxygen mask on, on you first before you can help others. Yeah. Um, you need to be supportive. You need to, it's, it's really hard because, and I think I struggle with this also, you know, what we think is best for people is also different from, you know, what they might find best. And, and that's also really hard to, um, 
to learn to to juggle and all of this is is a work in progress it really it you know it's it's so hard to sort of give distinct strategies or such but you know choose empathy over resentment choose you know choose be motivated by love and 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 look it's we all have a tendency to you know when you know when people even talk about hardships we can't help but try related to us you know we, we as human beings we want we'll try to try and fix it yeah and um yeah we can't and i you know as i told you that's been the hardest thing in my life is to accept you know the cases of when i can't change things or you know my sister and i have both been even in the last few months really struggling with our mental health and you know particularly you know she's the most important person in my world and i've taken so much strain through seeing her her struggle but I said, look, if there's anyone that I want to feel anxious in this world with, it's you. I'd rather feel anxious with you than anxious alone. That's beautiful. Um, so I think people just need to also learn that it's okay. I think people are scared of, of feeling of feeling the things and feeling the discomfort. But it's also about that it's okay. It's okay to feel these things and it's normal and... It, like it is what it is. I think that's one of the hard... Like, I don't know, my motto from even two years ago was, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, so you've got to be supportive, but balance, you know, those boundaries and self-preservation, help people in what way they can. And, and to sometimes, you know, talking, I mean, I am a talk, it depends what people need, you know, some people really do need someone to talk to, but sometimes it's also about learning to just do things with someone, you know, you, it's not, you, you don't always just have to be talking and sort of trying to dig dig up but you know sometimes it's just about getting out there and, and being active and, and, and moving and whether or not it's you know helping people to you know go go enjoy the, you know the biggest thing in my life is I, I can't take away the pain the suffering the trauma the sadness the loss all of these negative really difficult experiences and emotions I can't reverse them all I can do is try counteract them and help almost neutralize them with more positive yes yeah, so give back as much good as you can it's sort of going to balance everything out yeah 100 percent. you know like you can't you know you, you've got to just i you know all i want to do yeah all my in my life is yeah i'm i'm in a i'm in a place and a capacity now that i can give in my life for so many years people i was on the receiving end and it's about recognizing that at times in our life when we can give and in the times in our life and yeah when we need to receive but you know i just want to enjoy like in, enjoy life and um, you know, just try make some more positive, happy, joyous memories because you know we can't we can't erase the bad, and um, it's about it's important that we acknowledge our past and our struggles and our difficulties, but also not letting that define the future. And it was a really hard thing for me to be able to define myself. Who who is Nicole outside of uh, you know? my dad's suicide and and my academics and my you know struggles and like you know and being a twin and like who am I outside of that and um yeah it's important that you know while all of those things have shaped me we are all products of our upbringing they don't have to dictate your future and that you know back to autonomy and that we are you know we have the abilities to 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 create yeah to create the lives we want to live and um yeah, I, you know, and I'm living, I've, I've seen, I think I've just had a very stark, um, <clears throat> I've, I've very much seen, you know, I've seen people, I've seen my dad, you know, people waste their life away. And, you know, he, even when he was alive, like he was, he was existing. Well, he wasn't living, you know, he was breathing and, but that's not what living is. And, 
yeah, I've just seen sort of people waste that away. And I, you know, I think that's given me all the motivation that I want to live my best life. I want to live a meaningful, intentional, fulfilling life. And um, with, with amazing people around me. So um, it's important to stay connected, even though I've even experienced myself withdrawing it when things get hard. I've even found at times that I've withdrawn and that's because I don't want to be a burden on other people. I don't want to see them see me struggle you know because there's also been a lot of pressure you know even when I've gone through the struggles and even after this breakup like no Nicole you're so resilient you're gonna you know if anyone can do it you can and I appreciate that but that also came with immense pressure it is a lot of pressure to have that being someone who's perceived as quite a strong person is quite a burden (laughs) it is because when you fucking lose it people are kind of like but you're strong yeah you're fine and yeah we're not invincible and you know what it is it's it's that yeah the struggles are there and I'm honest and real about them but um yeah it's about just you know time as I, I know time is also a really cliche thing but when you go through struggle time it just allows that it, it creates a new norm for you you know the adjustment of often you know not having my dad and losing him you know they you know people think it's a cop-out answer but with time, every day becomes a day creating a new norm and a day further away from what was. Same with the relationship breakup. Every day, even if you feel so shit every day, you've got to just know that, like, with time, you know, the cogs are working and, and processes are happening and, you know, you will learn to adapt. Adaptability is the most important quality of survival the most important trait to survive in this world is adapt because as i said that's about that no matter your changing circumstances you can adapt and that's hard for humans because we are creatures of habit and comfort and that's why people stay in a lot of toxic situations and, and that because it's very emotionally driven as opposed to logically driven um but yeah we've you've got to you've got to sometimes take the, take the leap of faith and and know that like this is as bad as they're going to get. And sometimes things have to get to, to that point of being that bad that there's nowhere else to go but up. And maybe that's another thing that I can, I guess, advice that I have to say is that, you know, when you do see people struggling and you don't want to see them keep self, um, you know, they keep self-sabotaging themselves. As hard as that is, you've got to also just know that people will get to a point where something will change, where they just can't continue like that. So... Don't give up on people. Be there. Learn, know your know your boundaries. Know how to support people. Don't internalize the hurt that they cause you. Um, and yeah, empathize as opposed to judge. You know, I used to be a very judgmental person, but um, realize that when you under and and yeah, when you understand, you under, when you when you find out and understand why people are the way they are. Yeah, you don't judge it. it makes sense, and that's the reason. If anything, the reason I share my story or, you know, life narratives of people and that is not so they can feel sorry for me, but so they can understand why I am the way I am. Yeah. Why I have the values I do and why I lead the life I am, like, living is to just give context. Context is so important. And a lot of the time we, we don't give people that chance. We just make judgments all the time um, on, on, on just, yeah, surface level. And, yeah, you know. People would never believe, you know, meeting me that, you know, that I've had the, the history I have. But um, that's actually surprising. A lot of the time you, you're surprised to think that the people that seem like, uh, yeah, they've almost got it all together and are the happiest have actually had the most amount of hardship. That's cool. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, 
yeah, I don't know if that advice is helpful, but <laughs> hopefully that, um, yeah, it's just, just navigate it. Navigate it as you go. Don't put so much expectation to be a certain way. You know, let yourself feel it. I really do believe that. You know, people really do run from it and they numb and they do whatever they can to escape feelings of pain and this and that. But it will inevitably catch up with you. Yeah. And you do need to sit through it as hard as that is. You need to sit sit with it to really move past it. You need to sit with it. Um, and Yeah, I mean, if you don't, it just comes back to bite you in the ass, really. Yeah. And you're not learning from it because you'll keep repeating, you know. Um, and it's just, it's not a sustainable way to go, you know. There's, as I said, there's only so many, you know, yeah, relationships that you keep jumping between. So many substances you can take. So many, um, you know. Addictions you can replace with other addictions, etc. Yeah. I feel it's only since I've, like, I'm, I'm 33. It's only been since in the last couple of years that I feel I've made like any progress at all in terms of like self-development. I mean, I've changed a lot in terms of my habits, my career, like even the country I live in, like all of those things have changed, but I guess inherently I've been like the same person um, up until I decided I was actually going to learn from my mistakes. <laughs> and there's no age limit on that. Like you say 33, but Sarah, there are, there are people that are set in their ways till 65. You know, there are people... That's true. There's a lot of grumpy old people. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but also don't underestimate old people. I did a unit on it at, um, at, at uni and, you know, they're actually more malleable and, and adaptable than we think they are. We give them credit for. They've lived hard lives See, too. See, my grandma, right, she is probably... Uh, she's one of those people who just can never be happy about anything. She complains about everything. And it's fucked. It's really, really fucked. And every time I see her is when I, when I go back home. I see her like once a year. I'll always be like, see you next time. And she'll be like, I hope not. Not because she doesn't want to see me, but because that's how much she wants to die. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, well. But you've got to just feel sorry. Like, sad for those as opposed to, but yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, I don't want to be like that. So that's like, a, there's a what not to do, guys, mm -hmm. as well. <laughs> yeah. Don't be like my grandma. But, but yeah, it's just really bleak and miserable and it's like you know she's gone her whole life um well basically waiting for god to come back she's a very devout christian but she hasn't appreciated any moment that she's ever had because she's always been waiting for this thing to happen right and um that's what she believes right so who knows whether that will happen for her or not um <laughs> but um i guess it's the same as you know you're constantly waiting for you know, the net, you know, you're waiting for the one, the person you're going to, that relationship or to have a child or to buy a house. And you're constantly mm -hmm. like, things will be good when I get to this point, when I get to this point. Well, for her, it's always been, things will be good when exactly. the God comes back. So basically when she fucking dies. So, but that's why people are yeah. to their circumstances. If this and this changed, I would be happy. Yeah. If this and this, and that's why like, I'm a firm believer that like, that's just not going to ever do it be, for you because it won't. It's you're a bad, constantly yeah. chasing, you're it's, chasing you're a chasing, carrot at the yeah. end of it. You know what's that the thing? Donkey. The donkey. Yeah. That thing. <laughs> I mean, that's how, yeah, you're constantly, yeah, it's, you know, we shouldn't be motivated in this world out of like fear or out of, you know, reward. We've got to find that inner contentment that just, and, 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 that, and that's what I'm saying. It's about attitude. It's really about attitude, you know, and, and being active and that's, you know, and not playing and, and, and going out there and being active and, and, you know, not waiting around and not feeling entitled that I deserve, you know? 
no one deserves yeah, anything true. in this world. Yeah. No, and, and people have a it's lot of It's very easy to be entitled. Yeah. And especially saying, because we live in a really privileged country and, and place and, and world, especially in a country like Australia. There is a lot of entitlement. But, um, yeah, I mean, what's really interesting is from the time I was eight, my grandparents, I, I noticed the difference between the mental and the physical health because um, my grandpa had a stroke, so he didn't have his physical um, capacity, but he had his mind. And then my grandmother had a physical body. She was very physically healthy, but she was suffered major depression and was also a, a, an unhappy, complaining um, misery and from even from eight I realized that like my grandfather had a better quality of life no he couldn't dress himself and no he couldn't shower himself and go to the toilet but he had his mind and he had his he could he could choose his you know he he was able to still uh, you know live the life that he could live to, to the best of his ability and my granny had all the capacity in the world but she never had any of that yeah the positivity the gratitude the nothing and um yeah, it's 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 really it's really interesting that ultimately I do think that our happiness in life is contingent on our on our on our perception of it, um, and you know that's why you go back to things like being grateful for what you do have and perspective of what other people are going through. And as I say, that perspective, you know, when you, you know, I've been in myself, you know, I lost a dad to suicide, and, and the year after I was having breakdowns at uni again, I thought, what the fuck? Like, I've literally been through, like, the worst in this, and, like, look at me re regressing back to these old ways. But once again, it's this hard balance that, like, it's, that's what, you know, at that time in your life, and, like, that's what, you know, feels pressing for you, and, and, and to, like, validate that, but to also, as I say, not, not, you know, acknowledge it, but to not let it, um, you know, acknowledge the struggles, but, like, don't let it, you know, don't wait, like, um... Know that it's going to come back around, Yeah, basically. don't, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, you know, as I say, don't become attached and just, you know, just keep, keep doing, you know, do the best you can. It's so hard when you, you're having those moments of contentment and you're feeling so happy with certain things in your life, you just desperately want to hold on to that state of being, and I'm guilty of this because I do it all the time. I'm like, things are great, this is good, this is good, I'm happy with this, my life is awesome. And then literally two days later, I'll just be a fucking wreck for some reason, and I'm like, why can't I just be like that all the time? And it's like, but you, you literally can't, because you can't. So And that's why, yeah, it yeah. goes back to that acceptance, as I said from the beginning, that everything is just... You know, enjoy and appreciate that those good for what it is. But yeah, don't become, yeah, as I said, you know, attached to it. I've even felt, you know, this last year I've had my highs and lows from being a walking zombie, you know, being completely displaced in my world and in my life. You know, after this breakup, I then went through like sort of these highs and felt liberated. And I wanted to hold on to that because I'm also trying to make up for so much sadness and loss. And like I, I even more than ever, like really wanted to just keep, you know, stay, stay, stay on those highs. But... You know, and now I almost feel like I've got no tolerance for 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 distress and for trauma and anxiety because you know it's I've almost got an aversion to it now. Well, you might because... have had your quota, mate. To be fair, <sighs> yeah. But uh, as I said, that's not the way life works. <laughs> I mean, I hope it's. I hope it's, you know, people in this world complain about being bored in their lives. A lot of, and especially the younger generation, they're bored. Um, and you know what? I really think boredom does come out of a place of privilege. Yeah, massively. You know, yeah. I, I, all I'm wanting to do is live my mundane life because that would be a privilege for me. You know, without the drama and, and the heaviness and the struggle and the hardship, you know. Um, but yeah, so, you know, when people are bored and they're bored in their life, just know that, that you know, you know, almost 
rather be bored than, than, than struggling. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people probably actually, I mean, do want a bit of, you know, a bit of adversity, as you say, to make these growths. And, you know, I think I heard in, you know, when you're in your, one of your other podcasts about, you know, yeah, inflicting upon ourselves. Yeah, I don't think we have to go out looking for it. But I just think that it's, you know, with whatever situations we have in our lives, you know, start with that. You don't have to go looking for, for extra hardship, but choose start like it'll come the don't small worry wins. start start working with the small wins you know yeah. you miss that train what? don't let the it stop you know i used to you know i used to get so i used to hold on you know i spent my life ruminating the past fearing the future and once again it's a buzzword but mindfulness like being present is just it's a really important thing it helps you to just appreciate the moment it helps you to stay focused on what you're doing and to not be overwhelmed by what's to come or to not be um, despaired by what was. We need to just, you know, and to also not be attached, not to be attached to, to, to things and to just, you know, everyone can really benefit from, um, from that approach. To just learn to, you know, just be more, you know, we, we live such busy, scattered, erratic lives. No one really knows what it means to, take a breath and to use our senses and it's the smallest things you know it's the smallest things and the addictions to phones you know when does anyone ever not do something and we always need to be doing something because that's we've just been programming why that if we're not being productive and constructive you know my sister and I and particularly I look at my sister you know she lives with this unbelievable pressure to maximize every moment of every day and I think that does link to watching you know parents in that waste um, you know, waste stays away, but you know, you can't live with that, also that pressure. You've got to learn to be okay with, with just stillness, stillness. Yeah. Stillness. Um, and, and yeah, being with yourself and being with your thoughts. Uh, you know, I've never really been with my thoughts. And last year, I, um, last year, two years ago, you know, threw myself into the deepest ward of waters and went traveling for four months on my own from someone who's never like even been in a bed by themselves to, you know, it was like a really scary thing. That's fucking awesome. It's yeah. really cool. And it was just, yeah, it was an amazing, it was hard, but it was a really important experience to have to, yeah, to, to, to learn to just be with myself. Um, you know, people need to just develop that comfort and self. It's not about, um, it's not about the, the arrogance and being self-confident. You know, self-confidence is important, but it's more about self-assurance. Yeah. I didn't realize how much of my anxieties in life linked to lack of self-belief. A lot of our anxieties come from a lack of self-confidence and self-belief and self-efficacy. You know, we need to believe that we... And, and psychology really does fundamentally believe that, you know, that people are capable of... Like, people are the, know themselves the best, better than anyone else. And that we've got to try to tap into that and... Um, that we, we, you know, we do know what's good for us and, and, you know, we've just got, you've got to believe it, um, and ho- have good influences around you. Cause it's, it's hard when you can, I guess, can be influenced in, in the wrong ways, but, um, oh yeah, you've got to cut out the, um, yeah, cut out the toxic people. Be, be selective of, yeah, the Definitely. toxic people, <laughs> the toxic, um, structures in our lives. Yeah. But, uh, we've, we've got to, you should write a self-help book. <laughs> If, if you were going to have a self-help book, what would you call it? Oh. Okay, you're limited to three words as well, just to make it hard. Self-help book? Yeah, or just a, any book. Yeah, self-help book. Be, uh, well, I mean, it is going to help people because I feel like this episode should have helped <laughs> everybody. <laughs> um, it would be... God. 
This is obviously also going to be the name of this episode. So <laughs> no pressure. Weathering the storm. Oh, fucking nice. <laughs> oh, very good. Well done. I love that. <laughs> Weathers the storm. Yeah. Yeah. I've weathered many storms and will continue to do so. And you're only 25. Amazing. <laughs> 25, but I feel 45. You know, when they talk about your chronological yeah. versus your developmental age, you know. I'm 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 trying I'm trying to learn what it means now to be 25 and to try reclaim reclaim that back. Yeah, maybe you should get on the purse. A bit more. <laughs> I probably should. Eh? How's my advice, right? <laughs> sometimes so good. No, nah, seriously. Sometimes you just need to, you know, just say, what the hell? Yeah. No? So weather the storm. <laughs> get on the purse. <laughs> Don't take life too seriously. Yeah. I'm not joking. That's no, Even, that and that comes from life. someone who's like, yeah, I've seen life and death and everything in between, but yeah. Don't take life too seriously. <laughs> After the most serious podcast episode in the universe. <laughs> laugh, laugh, love, live. Um yeah. But don't ever get those um, wall hangings that say that and put them nah. in your house because nah. then you're the worst person yeah, in yeah, the world. That's it. Yeah, that's not a, yeah, that's not a, yeah, we're not too cliche. But like, you know, just smell the roses, feel the sunshine, um, and, count get, your on, and get on the purse. And get on the purse. <laughs> and dance. Can't go wrong with dancing. Me and my sister just do ballroom dancing together all the time. You know what I did um, for new, on New Year's? I did karaoke, and I'm the worst singer in the world. Like, I'm terrible. Anyway, I just didn't give a fuck. I sung um, Cher, Believe, like, at the top of my lungs. I did, like, a Cher impression, which was, like, <laughs> horrendous. And actually, I know it was horrendous because a friend of mine videoed it and played it back to me, and I was like, oh, my God. It's, like, the worst noise you'll ever hear in your life. But she was like... Oh my god! I loved how much you just didn't care. Just admit it. Just <laughs> like, admit. Don't yeah. care. Exactly. You know, everyone's got so much insecurity. Just, I mean, I've got like no filter a lot of the time. I don't even realize, like, I, you know, there's no filter and, and no. Oh, I'm very aware in a lot of ways, but completely oblivious in other ways. But you know, that's what's also beautiful about children. It's like they don't care what others think. They just are who they are. You know, just don't be oppressed by the ways that you should be. And you know, there's, you know, I'm weird and my life is fucked up. But like, hey. The best people are, though, mate. The best people you are. You know, but you know, it is what it is, and I am who I am, and you know, not every, and you know, except that not everyone's gonna love you and, and and appreciate you that, but you find the people that do. You know, it really is true when they say like, well, I'm gonna get the quote wrong. You know, those who, those who mind. Oh, those. Don't who, matter, oh, those yeah, who yeah. Not so way around. Don't mind. Yes. That is that. Uh, I always it? get that one mixed up too. No, but it's hundred percent true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's why you know, surround yourself by people that make you, you know, make you the best. You know, you can't change another person. You can only influence them. Um. So oh, that's probably also links back to the whole thing about you know, just don't put so much pressure on yourself to save and to fix people. But you can influence them, and when they don't, you know, when they still fuck up despite the advice you give them. Don't internalize that too. Don't part. don't take it on board. Just please. Don't you know? Don't don't like let it. How many times have you got pissed off because you've told someone the same advice over and over again, and they just literally just ignore you mm-hmm. constantly and end up in the same situation? You're just like, well, fuck it, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. You gotta let you know people. You gotta let people. Gotta let people live and experience for themselves, and you just gotta be there as a support when they're ready to 
when they're, when they're, when they're ready. Cause you know, and that's what we talk about in psychology, this whole, the process of change, it's not a linear process. And that's a really hard thing when it comes to mental health. It's never a linear process. You're constantly going back and forth, you know, the stages of grief. Grief is something I, I will continue to probably deal with for the rest of my life. And you go, you know, you think you make progress and you regress, but that's just riding the wave and acceptance of that. You know, you go through stages and like, and yeah, and with, um, but yeah, your your, you know, things regress, and with mental health, you know, there is relapse, and 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 it's about you know people get really upset because you're like, oh, I've done so well, why the fuck am I regressing back? But you've also got to say, hey, I have got to that point, and I've made that growth, and I know I can get there, and be so you get back there again. Be basically. confident that you will get there, you will get back there. Give yourself self compassion, but don't become complacent. It's a lot of a lot of good shit in there. <laughs> Weathering the storm. Weathering Nicole's the new storm. book will be out shortly. <laughs> Mate, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. It has. Um, yeah. I hope you have such a good year this year. And that the bad bits yeah. end up being good bits. And New Year's, they asked me to reflect. Um, I was at a, a conscious festival. Asked me to reflect on what the last decade has been. And holy fuck, it was a decade. Oh wow, that would have been a fucking a decade. Literally 2010 to 2020. There was loss and everything <laughs> in between. Uh, a lot of loss. But yeah, 2020, new decade, new opportunities. And that's another thing. Is that when you have a shit day, and I've had a lot of shit days this past year. Don't let that contaminate the next. That's a good point. Every as well. day is a new start. Every day the sun rises and don't you don't have to carry that past day or that past week or that past month, you know? It's it's a fresh start and see it as an opportunity. Take the opportunity to be different, to feel different, to do something different. You know? Wise words. Thank you so much, mate. Hope you <laughs> have, have a the good best one. year ever. Thank you. Um, to you. And we'll see you guys next time. Yeah,